And I think that without him, I don't know even whom I would be and where I will live. You know, he really changed everything. You're listening to the That Dog Podcast, the show that brings you life lessons from dogs shared by the people who love them most. I'm your host, Harriet Alexander, here to discover another That Dog story. I'm very excited to be introducing Natasha. Uh, Natasha is a dog behavior consultant and the head of Curious Moose, which is a dog school in Riga, Latvia. And I met Natasha a number of years ago when we were both attending the annual conference of the Pet Dog Trainers of Europe in Barcelona. And I remember then I was really captivated by her story and her passion as we chatted over tappers. And she was one of the first people I thought of for the That Dog podcast. Never one to take it easy though. Natasha is also currently completing a PhD in biology at the Russian Academy of Sciences. So she's got amazing experience and, and knowledge, as you can imagine. But Natasha, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here. Hello, everyone. I am very, very happy to be here and honored to be one of the guests. And also, I was thinking that it's really a very nice topic and name of the podcast. I have this special dog I would really love to talk about and tell the world about because he's an amazing creature. <laughs> And I really would like to share his story. And I'm sure that it can be useful for many other people who have issues or situations. And it maybe will help someone to live through those situations easier and better and happier. So thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. And you've summed up beautifully the whole podcast. So that's great. <laughs> that's definitely the purpose of it. Before we jump into your That Dog, who I'm very excited to hear more about. Do you want to tell me just a little bit about your business? Business. I really like when people say that I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> and actually, my professor with whom I'm completing this PhD, he also, during our meetings in the academy, when there's a scientific meeting, you know, with all the guys in glasses and everything, they're very serious. And he's my professor. He's like 85 or something like this. So he's very, very senior man and very serious and he was always saying like Natasha is a very uh, successful businessman in Latvia and I'm like a real <laughs> okay <laughs> I won't argue but thank you I think a lot of <laughs> sometimes struggle to think of themselves as business owners but you are that's true I now even have two workers at my school two trainer consultants and I'm very very happy that I can share the responsibility. <laughs> so I work in Latvia for five years now. Five years ago, I started the school and I have uh, dog training classes, group training, personal training, one-on-one -on -one online consultation. You've already mentioned that the name of the school is Curious Mood. And the idea was to find the name which would be not very attractive for people who don't have sense of humor <laughs> or who are very very serious about training and then when they see the name of school they're like mm -hmm, maybe it's not the best place where we can really really train and that's true because i am not uh, fond of obedient training we teach some stuff that is needed for everyday life and usually those people who are more into 
communication with dogs, how to understand what does he want. I guess it's the most common question, like, when he does this, what does it mean? Like, why is he looking at me like this? And I'm like, okay, let's try to guess. Can it be this? They're like, well, I guess not because this and this. And I'm like, okay, maybe it could mean this. And it's really interesting uh, adventure in the dog universe. We are not really into obedience, but more into communication and harmony, like how to live your life in harmony with your dog, feeling comfortable, making your dog feel comfortable and happy. And during these five years, I didn't have many cases when Chrome people come who are, who will be disappointed with this approach or who will be insisting on some method I don't use. So mainly, I guess they read the advertisement or they read the website and those who are supposed to come, they do come. So mm. I really am very happy and I like my clients so much that 99% of them are really so interesting and nice people that I, I, I have very big troubles taking money from them. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like, it's not really a job, you know? I feel so happy and I really like this hour so much. How can I charge for that? But I work on this with my therapist. So, yeah. I would... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think it's a common thing. But I mean, if you can find something oh, yeah. that you love and get paid for, that's kind of perfect, isn't it? So, we're here obviously um, to get to know your that dog. So, let's dive in. Who is your that dog and how did you meet? My that dog is named BJ which is putting us into an awkward situation. Like, why would you call your dog such a weird name? Weirdly pronounced, especially when you live in Russian-speaking bubble. (laughs) And when we were working together with other people and they were asking like, oh, you have a puppy, what's his name? And we were like, Big J. And they're like, okay. (laughs) But actually we named him after a man from a TV series. And it's an American TV show about Korean War. So we really liked the guys who were playing in this movie. Mm-hmm. And one of them was BJ, who was a very cool surgeon. And when we didn't manage to find a name for a puppy for like three days, it was already so exhausting that we thought, okay, the next name that come our mind will be his name no matter what it is <laughs> so it was it for like okay it's neutral it doesn't mean much and it's special so we picked this name today he's 11 and he's the best dog you can imagine <laughs> just the perfect dog you know handsome intelligent very very kind and wise he's just perfect for me and for Mm. everyone else of course about his appearance i was thinking how can i describe his appearance because it's an audio podcast and i've sent pictures to you yes and i don't know harry can you tell maybe what breed he looks like for you because when people ask me i'm like well shepherd maybe something but he's like a shepherd he he looks like a dog you know like a proper dog and he's definitely got that look where he just looks like the kind of dogs you always see when you go to places and there are street dogs around. Yes, he's just... <laughs> but I don't know what breed. Oh, probably a mix of He's a nice dog. Yeah. And the color is very typical for any Russian stray dog. Mm. It's like brown with a little bit of 
dark, a little bit of uh, yellow. This color is very typical and usual. And all his appearance is very much like just a typical stray dog from Russia. And actually, this, this takes us to point how did we pick him? Because he's a, an adopted puppy from the shelter. And it was a huge challenge to pick out uh, a puppy from a big litter of shelter puppies. As you can imagine, you enter the shelter, they are this huge pile of puppies just mm-hmm. running around you, jumping on you, licking you. And they say, well, okay, pick one, take one. <laughs> and we're like, go away. <laughs> and it's completely impossible because they are all mm-hmm. absolutely similar. It's not like one is very shy, another one is very active. I don't really remember who, but some of us asked, so whom do you think we like more? Like, do you have any preference? And another one said, maybe the one with the white tool. And I said, yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same. And we're like, oh, finally, at least it made it easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In a couple of days, we went back to the shelter. It was November. Rain, mud, dirt. You cannot even imagine how November in Moscow looks like. It's like the worst month you can visit Moscow. Please, mm. no one go to Moscow <laughs> so in November. It's just, it's cold, but not yet snowing, you know, mm. really depressing. And we went there after work, so it was dark, evening. Traffic jams, all puppies were covered in mud. If you have never been to shelters in third world country, it's just forest, big field with no one living close so that no one complains the dogs are barking. Just fencing, voliers, and there are kennels in the voliers where dogs can be safe and have shelter when it's raining mm. or when it's cold. So it's very simple. Yeah, yeah. Simple living. So we just entered the volume with those puppies and they were just jumping on me. And I saw this white paw and I'm like, okay, this one. We just came out of the pile. In the dark, in the mud. That's a great, great starting story. So you you got BJ, the white paw puppy, covered in mud, took him home. And so what were the first weeks and months like? How did it all start with him? Actually, the first week was very different from the rest of the week. At first, we were all in this euphoria, you know, oh, we have a dog now. And we were really very inexperienced and not very prepared dog parents because we didn't read much before, like those owners whom I met now when I came to consultation. And they like, we have already read this, this, this. We listened to this podcast. We looked this show. We have went to these courses and now like we want you to help us as well. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you were not like that. Already. <laughs> yeah. We were not like that. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, a puppy. How difficult could it be? It's just a puppy. We mm-hmm. just get it from the shelter. We save his life, you know, all this yeah. crap. Like we will save him and he will love us forever. And of course, this all was not true and it didn't look like it. <laughs> Maybe for the first evening, I guess. But then at some point, he started to get afraid of strangers on the street. And it went very, very fast. So at first he was like a little bit afraid. 
then he refused to go to a crowded street where well, it was not really crowded. We were living in the suburbs, but still, then he refused to go outside the building, outside the apartment to put on his uh, collar. And I was like, uh, something, uh, it does look like my movie picture. Yeah, something is wrong. But actually, I had no idea that this problem even exists, you know, mm. fear of street, like. It's a dog. Dogs mm-hmm. like walking. Everyone knows this. That the main problem with dogs is that you need to walk a lot. You need to get up early because they always want to go out. Just a hundred percent not true for mm-hmm. us. He he could do anything just not to go out. It was I guess it was the genetic inherited thing because mm. he didn't have any bad experience like he was not really frightened with anything that bad you know outside mm-hmm. we were living quite close to the woods it was like 100 meters and you're in the woods so it's just like a couple of cars couple of buildings and that's it so mm. it was not a center of the city so i guess yeah he had some problem that could be maybe handled better that we did because we actually didn't handle it at all with like Let's go with the flow. Somehow yeah. he must go out. <laughs> He's a dog. But he was already about 15 kilos or something. So he was pretty big boy. Mm. was about five months already. And it was a very big problem to put pressure on him. Like yeah. to pull him somewhere or to hold him when he's afraid and he tries to escape and run away. It was very difficult to hold him because he was in complete panic. Mm. Like, you know, those round eyes, we mm. don't really, he doesn't listen, he doesn't look at you, he's just like trying to survive. Yeah. And yeah, and it was very exhausting. Because you know, when a small dog is afraid, well, you can hold it and wait until the panic goes down. And with a dog who waits more, it's always like he brings pain and suffering to you because you need always to to either run or hold and every walk since then twice a day was, was such a disaster it was mm. so difficult i was just crying afterwards like oh my goodness why why me <laughs> i just wanted normal puppy <laughs> simple normal puppy and all this doesn't look like it at all mm-hmm. and maybe that was the first lesson i learned that you never ask why you just need to find out what for like what for does god gave me this opportunity and this weird creature who is so unpredictable and i have no idea what to do with him maybe there is a reason maybe i can learn something but i was very young Mm. i didn't know this concept yet (laughs) and i was just wondering what the hell And sometimes thinking maybe we should bring him back to the shelter because it was outside Moscow. He looked so happy there. Actually, Mm. There were his siblings. They were playing. He was always with his tail up and he liked all the people who came. And now when we bring him to happy life, you know, family life, now he looks so stressed and depressed and frightened all the time. And we cannot have any friends now because he's barking at everyone and jumping and Mm. trying to get out 
and not be seen. So it looked like we just tortured him and there is no way out. And that's how the first month looked like. Yeah, intense. <laughs> it's a bit of a classic story, I think, which a lot of you know new dog guardians experience sometimes where you have all these expectations and you have this idea in your head of what it's going to look like and all these needs that the dog will fulfill, which are often about us, right? Like it's us wanting to have this yes. perfect thing. Yes. And then sometimes that's not what you get, as you say, and you have to go, whoa, like either you can't deal with it or you go, okay, well, what next, which is a really important moment. Oh, yeah. I yesterday tried to remember how, how I felt at that point and where did we, where did we come after, yeah. after all this experience and all those adventures. It's really a big story and a very interesting way to go. And I think that without him, I don't know even whom I would be and where I will leave. You know, he really changed everything. But at that point, when you just adopt a crazy puppy, you feel very, very sad and you don't like it at all. Yeah, it's stressful. That's yeah, true. It, it is. And yeah. it's hard when, again, it's that perception thing of, you know, you've taken them from a situation that's that's quite bad or, you know, you think of them in a rescue or shelter. Mm-hmm. So you have this expectation, like you were saying, that, you know, they'll be, they'll be happy and grateful and they'll suddenly think, oh, you're amazing for doing this, which is such a yeah, human and why isn't he happy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yet there's all these important needs that we're not always um, addressing. It's very interesting and I think probably a t- story that people can relate to. But I'm curious, how did it progress? How did you go about dealing with this situation that was so hard? I tried to Google, Yeah, but luckily maybe Google was on my side. I was Googling just maybe the specialist or someone who can help or some articles on this problem. And 10 years ago, you can imagine, in Russian-speaking part of internet, there was pretty much like how to teach sleep, heal, mm. and maybe lay down. Mm-hmm. But like fear of street, it was very uncommon. And the only website I found, it was the School of Applied Ethology, where I now am a teacher, <laughs> a <laughs> proud teacher. And this was the only where I found some information and where was like consultations on dog behavior correction and not just training. Mm-hmm. Of course, we had this dog school in our neighborhood and we went there, not successfully, but we tried all the options. Or maybe it was some kind of help that we, we got a nice, very young trainer who tried to understand the problem. So she was trying to somehow help us. But she was just a, she was a person who was a dog trainer and she didn't really know much about the psychology of the dog, Mm. especially this kind of problem. Because it's really, in my opinion, one of the most difficult ones when the dog is afraid to go out. Mm. And then a lot of basic needs are violated. He's Mm. not moving. He's not getting any mental stimulation. He's not playing with dogs. It's really very restricting. Uh, when the dog have this problem, but she was doing her best. And online, I found this person who then become my very, very important teacher and very important person in my life. And I am really grateful mm, to BJ for her as well, because I would never look for a person like this. <laughs> and he made me look for her. And there I found some advices on how to maybe check the distance between the dog and the scary object that I can reinforce the 
good behavior and just form the good behavior and not try to punish the bad and uh, tell him what to do, mm -hmm. you know? So it was kind of different approach. And I tried to do something like this because it at least had some sense. And I at least understood how could this work. To be honest, it didn't help a lot at that point because he was so afraid that he was not eating even at home that good. Mm. So any food motivation was not working that much. But I guess because the extent of the problem was really big, but at least I got some help and someone answered my email and tried to help me. And it was okay. So we tried to do something. I went to dog school, went to the woods and tried to make him walk with other dogs. He's perfect with other dogs and it mm. helped because we, we found friends for him. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit of something good happening during walks. <laughs> um, but we totally understood that he feels always insecure and always trying to find out what's going on around, like, you know, attentive to yeah. all the little things going around, never relaxed outside. And we, we too wanted to move from Moscow, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We, because it's not a very safe and comforting place, but people somehow managed to live there and try to feel relaxed, even in such a busy and aggressive city but with him it was completely evident that it's not a very good city for him so we were thinking that maybe our idea to move someone is not a bad idea and maybe we should do it faster otherwise <laughs> otherwise we can die because <laughs> it's very exhausting and the progress was so slow and you know like two steps forward one step back two step forward one step back yeah and we were looking for a place where we can move and eventually we moved to latvia we adopted him in november and in may we moved to latvia to a teeny tiny house in the suburbs just the wood was all around our house actually. Mm. and we were really looking for the place like this that there's no people walking by, it's yeah. just woods around and other houses, like in one, from one side of the house, there was someone, but three sides around, it was just the woods and deer, <laughs> rabbits, and it looked like really perfect place for this dog at least. And we yeah. really liked it too. So it was not like a compromise or oh, we want to live in the city, but he doesn't like it. No, we really liked it in the countryside very much too so it was a very happy moment actually mm, so it worked. for my mother yeah <laughs> i'm sure yes she <laughs> she wasn't unhappy about bj's <laughs> yeah no, making that call it turned out she was crying oh dear yeah yeah it's interesting because i think it's all about environment behaviors of a tricky thing in that there's lots you can obviously do to support dogs when they do have fears and phobias and those kind of things. But I think sometimes there are dogs that are in environments that just don't work for them. And so you are sometimes having a bit of an uphill battle. So it's interesting that you recognize that and thought, you know what, let's just change it completely. And obviously great that it suited things you've been thinking about already. It's maybe hurried that decision by the sounds of it. Yes, yes. And sometimes I 
give this advice now to my clients who have similar kind of dogs mm. and I'm very slightly try to uh, tell that maybe you have an opportunity to move somewhere a little <laughs> bit less noisy because here I can give you some kind of advice and some training but it would be very very long run and it's difficult and you will really need some support find some friend who can also help you or find a way to maybe live part-time in the countryside because I know how exhausting it could be and when I see a similar dog I can see that it's just not working and you're you're right that the environment is just too uh, too much and I'm the idea of of going to a dog trainer and they're like you know what you need to do move country move house you know? So I try, I try not to make it like, like okay, you wait I'm a dog trainer. Yeah. Sometimes people really need this kind of perspective because they don't even look in this side. Sometimes they think mm-hmm. that maybe they're making some mistake. Maybe the dog is weird. Maybe the trainer was bad, and that's why the problem is so difficult. And when you say that, it's just the city you live on a very busy street there are hundreds of people in mm. front of your apartment it's always noisy your dog is always stressed and maybe no one is to blame <laughs> and maybe they they have an opportunity to move somewhere they just don't think about it because it's not mm. evident but when you have a dog with some behavior problem it's not like okay we have a problem then we'll just move yeah no. Usually the last thing you think about. For sure. Why not? If if you have a chance, because many people just rent uh, a place so they can rent somewhere else. It's not that big a deal. It's not that they need to buy a house mm-hmm. you know, in Miami. Yeah, I think if, if you have the option, it, it is something to at least think about. It's important to recognize not everyone has that option or opportunity. There's lots of reasons yeah. why for some people that's hard. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can, it is something worth just thinking. And even for yourself, you know, is this the right environment for all of us? Dogs are part of the family. So is it right for the family, <laughs> really? So BJ's parents were street dogs. Is that correct? That they, yes. As far as you were. Turn on the street. Mm-hmm. It's like pure essence of street, street dog. I guess his mother was also born maybe by the stray dog because she was living at some parking venue mm-hmm. next to the metro station there were people who were taking care of her somehow on the street but she was living on the street and she gave birth to 10 puppies Goodness. which is usually normal for stray dogs because they need to reproduce and they know that some of the puppies will die so i will give birth to as much as i can mm. but all those were saved <laughs> yeah and yeah. all 10 so obviously if you've got BJ, and I know you've had lots of experience with other kind of ex-street dogs throughout your career. What do you think people need to know when they are thinking of bringing a street dog into their lives? I really like your idea that you shouldn't have expectations. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also works with the purebred puppies as well. It's good not to have expectations. But mm-hmm. there at least you can have the expectations of the outlook or some inherited qualities like the herding breed would maybe have this desire to herd 
more to follow someone or to run in circles. If you need a herding dog, for example, or you buy a border collie, you know how border collies normally behave. So mm -hmm. it's not that big a surprise, but still, also, <laughs> sometimes it is. So having zero um, expectations is very, very important. And it helps a lot with dealing with problems later because then you will just react on how it goes and you won't be that stressed and disappointed, which takes a lot of effort, energy from you. You will put energy in the right place. And when you adopt, it's important to understand that the dog doesn't know that you adopted him or her. Just like the purebred puppy doesn't know how much you paid for him or her. <laughs> or in how good conditions he was brought up or how bad. And you need to fulfill the needs of the animal first. And the main thing, for example, what I was trained uh, as a behavior consultant about the five freedom concept, that you need to fulfill those five freedoms before you expect some behavior, like normal behavior from a dog. Because normal behavior will appear in normal conditions. And when you can give the dog those conditions, like for a dog to have enough walking in a nice uh, place for a dog, uh, you also need to find a place where the dog could feel like a dog and behave like a dog. Mm -hmm. And then it will be much easier to train as well when the dog feels uh, relaxed. It's even uh, a pleasure for the dog to communicate with you, to do some things with you. And for the shelter dog, it's maybe even more important because usually they didn't have much enrichment <laughs> and they may have some health issues. But I was thinking that some breeders do not really differ that much from the shelter conditions. When people tell me how was it when they took their puppy from the breeder, like, yeah, it was a countryside, there was a warrior and puppies were in the warrior with their mother and we just took it. So it's pretty much shelter conditions, no enrichment, no socialization, no communication that much. They just feed them, clean them sometimes, take pictures. <laughs> and wait for people to come and take them. So maybe all those things can relate to bred puppies as well. Mm -hmm. If the breeder is not very either educated or experienced or motivated to bring up real yeah. happy dogs, they just want to get rid of the puppies. So there is not that much difference between adopted mm -hmm. dog and dog from somewhere else. Because the, uh, the conditions are always very specific shelter dogs in London, for example, are completely different dogs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> shelter dogs in Moscow are very, very different from them. So I would say that people should see the conditions the dog was, was living in mm -hmm. and then maybe take that into account and take into account their genetic experience. I had no idea that stray dogs could be insecure about strangers. Mm. If you think about it now, yeah, it's logical. They never come very close to people, for example. They tend to stay somewhere in distance. And BJ is doing just the same. He's never barked at people. He just runs away mm -hmm. at 100 meters <laughs> Well, when he was young. 
stay there and wait until people leave. If they leave, they come back. If they don't leave, they just stay there in the bushes and wait until they leave. So it's very uh, good strategy for a stray dog. Yeah, uh, it's a great strategy. For a companion dog, it was a disaster. Yeah, for sure. I think there were really good points. And you're totally right that just because you go to a breeder doesn't mean that, the, you know, it's necessarily a wonderful mm-hmm. upbringing. There are obviously some amazing breeders, that, but there's ones that, like you say, um, are not so good. And I think it's a great point too to think about what your dog was bred to do, for example, or what that environment might have been like early on, the, the impact that could have, and all of those different pieces of the puzzle that make up that individual mm-hmm. dog. And even then, you might be surprised and there might be something that comes up that you don't expect. Oh, yeah. And I love your mention of the, um, the five freedoms. I, I'll put them into the show notes, a link to the five freedoms if people aren't aware of what they are or mm-hmm. haven't heard of that concept before. Mm-hmm. The, the story you tell is a pretty amazing one in terms of starting from that really difficult place and, and then going on this obviously huge journey to learn more and more and then get more interested in dogs generally. I'm curious on an individual level, how did BJ change you as a person? That was a question that when I was thinking yesterday about him, it made me really cry because I was thinking, oh my God, God, I, God. I know. <laughs> I totally relate. Oh, because when you try to sincerely think about your dog and the dog is now 11 and you mm. have such a long life with him and it's just heartbreaking to think how much impact he has on me i think when i was young and restless (laughs) and adopted him i was not really well very tolerant to the weaknesses of others not only dogs but people as Mm. well and i was not really a kind person in you know in a global sense like, yeah, I was not uh, kicking puppies <laughs> or kittens in the streets and I was not doing anything aggressive, but I was not really prepared that someone could be weak and have special qualities that I don't like mm-hmm. and I don't really know how to deal with. And those qualities make my life difficult and make me disappointed frustrated and everything and it turned out that it was it was not a coincidence it just Mm. brought a lot of light on this i was always frustrated that i look stupid outside i look helpless Mm. well i guess most of the dog owners who have dogs with problems which could be seen by other people Mm -hmm. (laughs) they could understand this feeling when your dog is aggressive, for example, to other dogs, and your dog is barking at other dogs. And of course, all the people in the street look at you like, mm-hmm. so you are evidently a lazy and stupid dog owner who couldn't teach their dog manners. And that's why your dog is behaving like a jerk. And you get this every day because people are always new. <laughs> it's hard and it's difficult to change. You have uh, very little control over it. I guess I didn't realize it. I was thinking that I'm a nice and kind person. I am very, very tolerant and I like everyone and I would never hurt a poor little creature. But mm-hmm. when this poor, weak little creature was walking with me and was bringing pain and frustration to every walk, it turned out that I'm, I don't like it. I got mm. uh, mad and uh, aggressive. And the 
the very important point is that BJ never got defensive. Mm. When, for example, he's afraid and he's trying to pull you somewhere and you pull the leash back or you yell at him or you just got angry and he feels it and he mm-hmm. sees that you're angry and disappointed and he looks at you with such look, which is like, I am very disappointed and I'm very sad that I made you angry. Mm. It's like, oh my God. And it breaks. Like, he's the weak creature and he's the one who needs support and he cannot handle this situation. And you just yell at him or whatsoever. Somehow you try to deal with it. Mm. And he looks and like, okay, you can pull me back. You can do anything. I'm sorry that I bring so much trouble. And when you think about it, oh my God, are you really deserved much better it was really uh nice to have a dog who really could show this Mm -hmm. it was impossible to continue being aggressive or being harsh with him because he was never defensive at this point and when someone is so open and ready to accept anything from you you start to think like okay and maybe something is wrong with me maybe Mm -hmm. it's not his fault and i guess that is also a very good evidence of the fact that there is no one to blame. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to blame him. Like why you pull? Why don't you like this place? Why are you afraid? It's a nice lady, mother of God. <laughs> why are you running again? But he's not the one to blame that he's afraid because he's just feeling fear mm-hmm. and he's afraid. Like it's just a fact you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And neither is my fault. Like, I also yeah. did uh, little to bring him to this point. It's just the universe did it like this. We mm-hmm. live together. It's none of our, our fault. We have to somehow deal with it. Uh, then it's easier to move forward. Otherwise, you try to find who is guilty. Mm, playing that game. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you see at him... Mm, look at him it's very difficult to blame him like Mm -hmm. he's really trying to do his best he's really struggling and he looks like someone who's struggling for his life and actually person a human is the one who is usually smarter has Mm -hmm. more resources has uh i don't know therapy money options and choices to change something like we are the one who could do much more and who could be supportive we say that the dog needs to do this needs to do that but in fact there's very little what they can really do he made me much more tolerant and supportive and sensitive because i understood that "Mm -hmm, okay so i need to support him there is no use in being frustrated and angry it only makes us both cry (laughs) in some way and when when you find this energy in you to support someone and to deal with something and to help us both to move somewhere better, it's a very useful thing to learn. People or dogs have their weaknesses, have their special qualities. There is maybe no way to fix it or maybe there is, but it's not your task. You can help if you can help. If you cannot help, you can do what you can. Now I can feel the difference between how I reacted back then 
and how would I react now when I come to people with dogs like this? And I see that they are like, oh my God, can we please have normal dog? What yeah. here? We're just struggling every day. And I sit there, you know, relax and wine like an owl. And I like, oh my God, people, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Not that bad. There are options. Don't mm-hmm. be that scared. Are you becoming the person that you would have liked to have back then? They're saying all the mm-hmm. things you probably needed mm-hmm. to hear, but I love that. It's an amazing reflection. Okay. And I think a lot of people could relate to that experience. When you were talking about that, worrying about what everyone's thinking, it's that self-critical voice. And I think often people aren't even thinking the things that we tell ourselves that they are. But I think sometimes (laughs) (laughs) dogs almost, they're like a reflection of us. So I think we get very self-conscious of how our dogs are in the eyes of other people. Oh, yeah. Because we, we put all this pressure on ourselves and pressure on our dogs. And that acknowledgement, I think, that you're talking about of like actually no one's to blame. The dog is who they are. There's no perfect normal dog really in many ways. It's part of the reason actually that I sort of went with the name of of my business, um, All Dogs Are Good, because I, I had a similar experience with my dog and it was a bit like dogs are and they're just good and they have different behaviours that are difficult, but they're not to be blamed or thought of as these broken creatures, which I think sometimes we fall into the trap of. So hard. It takes time, I think, and <laughs> you have to build that skill of like patience and empathy. I tell those people too, I was in your place, but it took a long, long time mm-hmm. to feel okay about this. And we've talked about lots of different concepts and I don't think you've way to bring it all together. Thinking about all those lessons that BJ taught you and that journey that you've been on. What advice do you have for people listening? Oh, well... Dear people, (laughs) if you're listening, I would say that the main purpose of the dog in your life is to make you a better person, to show you some other experiences, some other people, because I would never meet those people I met if I wouldn't have had a difficult dog. And now I really have a lot of friends colleagues even partners and everyone and so it's really a lot of opportunities even if the dog is difficult so don't try to fill in a frame of uh, dog owner you know that dog owner should do this 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 the dog should do this he'll sit come when cold don't eat from the floor sit at home silently alone and all this don't try to fit this concept it's impossible and second of all it's not really that interesting and valuable it's important to realize that your happiness and your dog's happiness which is consequently your happiness too because when you live with a happy dog it's very uh nice feeling i would say look at my dog lay down in the woods on their own land just chilling chasing mice or birds and it's like paradise you know and when your dog is that happy you feel the best mom ever the best dog owner ever so i would say that this is the point where you should head on and the way to this to this point are very different it's not necessarily a dog school it's not necessarily some courses like i need to uh, train him somehow specially and then we'll get to this point Maybe no, maybe you need to go on a five-week 
traveling around Europe by car. For sure. I think, you know, traveling the globe can be amazing. Probably not for some people right now, not possible to travel anywhere, but they can at least imagine what that might look like in the future or find some things locally yeah. to do as well and just spend good time with their dogs and get to know them. I think sometimes people don't even spend a lot of time just getting to know their dogs. What do they like? What does work for them? What doesn't? All those different things. They don't know it's about themselves. Yeah, maybe that's People it. don't know what do they like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels, aren't there, between... <laughs> What, how, how we deal with things and how we deal with our dogs. So if people want to learn more about you and your work, where can they find you? I have a dog school Instagram. It's curious.moose, but I guess there are not many curious moose. And I have a website also. And the address is dogslatvia.com. But I guess if you Google curious dog school, it will be also easily found. So there is an email and our pages, so you can contact if you need a consultation or any support, maybe psychological support. <laughs> I would be happy to help. Perfect. I'll include that in the show notes as well so people can find those links and, and follow you. Thank you so much for chatting today about the wonderful BJ. He sounds amazing. I'm sad I can't meet him. He's obviously quite far away, um, but he sounds gorgeous. Like, he sounds you like a gorgeous love. boy. I'm sure I would. And it's amazing to hear that journey you've been on. So thank you for your time and for joining us on the That Dog podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about him for such a long time. I would <laughs> continue and continue, you know, for hours, but it was a nice talk. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the That Dog Podcast, hosted and produced by me, Harriet Alexander of All Dogs Are Good. You can find out more about my work by visiting alldogsaregood.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform. And if you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, leave a review. It really does help the podcast. And now it's time to go and learn from your dog. Dog.